Hello, and welcome to the MSL Consulting Podcast. I'm your host and founder of MSL Consultant, Aoife O'Dwyer. On today's episode, I interview Kirsten, an MSL with Novartis, who's based in Detroit. Kirsten has experience working with smaller pharma and now big pharma, and so in this episode, she shares the opportunities, challenges, and differences between big and small pharma as an MSL. If you're looking for more insights into the MSL role, my newsletter has just reached over 3,000 subscribers, which is fantastic, and it's linked in the show notes if you'd like to join. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Kirsten, and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. So before we get started on our topic today, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Absolutely. Now, before I introduce myself, I do just want to say, I know some guests do have to say this, um, any views I say, or anything I say today, any views and opinions, those are my own. They don't reflect those of my company. And my name is Kirsten Gertowski. By training, I'm actually a physician assistant. So I came from clinical practice, seeing patients, did that for about nine years or so. And with my career journey, I spent most of it in internal medicine, but I really knew by year five that I couldn't see myself for another 30, 40 years in clinical practice. Um, things were getting tough in that area. They continue to change. More and more patients are being seen every day, staying late for notes, trying to answer portal messages. So I really knew I wanted to do something else. And I did pursue my doctorate a few years later with the thought of moving into industry or doing something in administration, research, teaching, just something besides clinical practice and found the MSL role, fell absolutely in love with it, and really started down that path to become an MSL. Now, COVID did interrupt that a little bit because I was still practicing clinically, so I did go to the COVID floors, then that was a lot of hours and pretty tough with the doctorate. Um, But after a lot of work, a lot of networking and time, it took about a year and a half, but I was able to land my first MSL role. I started with a very small device company, only about 800 employees, and I now work for a very big pharmaceutical company. Amazing. And one of the things I'd love to get your thoughts on today is the difference between working for a small company and a big company. Because I, similar to you, I started off in, well, actually the reverse. I started off in big pharma and then I worked for small pharma. And there's a huge difference in terms of culture, in terms of activities. And I'd love you to share some of your experience overall between the differences working with small and big pharma. Absolutely. And I think this is a question I get all the time. I'll have aspiring MSLs reach out and they're like, should I aim for a big company, a small company, midsize? You know, what's your thought? There's pros and cons to both. And I think everyone just fits into a different environment with a small company. There's a few things to keep in mind. Um, Sometimes you kind of wear many hats in a small company. You're not just doing the MSL role. You're not just in the field a lot of times there's very few MSLs. So you may be doing more than just those KOL interactions and gaining insights. You may also be doing content and slide creation. Um, When I was working for a smaller company, I worked on our advanced practice provider conferences. I worked with our speaker programs. I helped a bit with our sales training. So you're doing a lot more than just that MSL role. In addition, because it was a smaller company, there wasn't as many MSLs. So there was a bit more travel. But the advantage of that smaller company is there's a lot more visibility. There was only two to three of us. So your career can advance sometimes a little bit quicker. Um, You don't have to fight to get that visibility because everybody just knows you're working hard and they see what you're doing. 
On the other hand, a big pharmaceutical company, it can be tougher if you have a big team. You really have to proactively be highlighting the impact you're making in the field to get that visibility to advance your career. But on the other hand, you know, your job often stops at that MSL role. There's somebody in every role for those companies. So if you were to step over that into something like content creation, well, there's somebody else that probably already has that role. Yeah, and that was definitely my experience as well. I found that in big pharma when I wanted to get a little bit of additional experience in things that were maybe outside the remit of the MSL role. I was told exactly, as you said, well, actually, no, that is this person's responsibility. We actually have a department dedicated to this. Whereas when I worked for smaller pharma, there was a lot less people. So it was all hands on deck. And the experience that we got, or and I got as an MSL was much, much broader. Um, so you touched on it a little bit, but in a smaller company, often there might be more travel and mm-hmm. maybe you have a larger list of KOLs to see. Did you find um, that in a smaller company, an MSL might have more opportunity to engage with the really tier one global KOLs, whereas sometimes in a larger company, some of those top KOLs are maybe owned by head office, for example? Yeah, I definitely would say that. My smaller company I worked for, I covered 25 states. So not only was there not many MSLs, but I had a huge territory. So really my target list was your top at the top. I mean, that's, you don't have time to dig very deep. When you look at a territory like that, you look at a smaller company, but absolutely a larger company, there are, there's a little more competition at some of your big healthcare systems with headquarters and some of those in leadership for sure. But like you said, I think it also depends on the territory. So again, my last role, 25 states, I only have time to focus on the top of the top. Right now, you know, I started it with my current company covering one state. Now I actually only cover a portion of that state. So that also really changes things in terms of your territory planning and how to be strategic because I can't just meet with the top of the top. I wouldn't have enough people. So I really have to dig deep and I'm going outside of my therapeutic space oftentimes into primary care and internal medicine even. And do you find with your current role, because it's a smaller geographical area, that the relationships you have are a little bit stronger because you're able to see those targets more often, whereas in the um, smaller company with the larger list, you could maybe only see them maybe once a quarter, twice a quarter, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think there's people with that last company that I saw one time and never talked to again. It's very difficult with that many states and that many health systems to build those relationships. A lot of times you're really leaning sometimes on your commercial colleagues or other people within the company to help you with that big of a territory and say, you know, this is somebody you really should meet, or this is a name you should keep an eye on. Whereas that smaller territory, you only have so much room to go. Like I said, you're digging a lot deeper into that territory, but you do develop those relationships over time. You're seeing these people more like two to four times a year. So I do feel like with a smaller territory, I have these relationships where I oftentimes can text or pick up the phone and call these KOLs, whereas that bigger territory, you know, half the time you're like, hey, you know, do you remember me? We met one time last year. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely get what you mean. And one of the things you touched on is in the first company, there was maybe a team of three MSLs. And in the Mm -hmm. larger company, there's a much larger team of MSLs. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages to having more MSL colleagues versus less MSL colleagues? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I think that there are pros and cons to it. And it depends what your preference is. So 
Smaller company, I think, again, one of the great things is that you get that visibility. You work hard and everybody knows that you're working hard. And, you know, not to come off the wrong way with this, but there's really nowhere to hide with a smaller company. You know, if you have downtime, you're helping the other MSLs, you're doing whatever you can because everybody knows where you're at and what you're doing. But you also don't have a big team to lean on. So if you have a problem or you want to kind of work with other MSLs to get their uh, suggestions on things, you only have one or two other people to go to. Whereas on the other hand, with a bigger company, you know, I have on my team 50 plus MSLs that I can reach out to at any time if I have a problem or if I need something. But there also is, you know, there's 50 MSLs. We're all trying to advance our careers. So it's not like it's a competition, but it can be a bit harder to show that impact and to get that visibility and to advance your career when you have so many MSLs on your team. Mm. And with such a large number of MSLs in the larger company, for example, would you all be having completely different conversations with KOLs or would head office say, MSLs, we really want you to, we really want all of you to ask this one particular question to KOLs across the country, because we need to understand in a snapshot what the general opinion on this particular topic is. Is that something that happens in the larger company? It can, for sure. It really depends on the company's medical strategy, and these can change every quarter, and that depends on you know, what products are out, do you have a recent launch, what data is out. So you know, as you've talked about on your podcast, there's times you go through where you're not near a recent launch, and you're out there, and you're trying to come up with topics and trying to provide value to KOLs. But sometimes if we have something like a new study comes out or data release, we definitely have initiatives where the company says, hey, you need to talk to your top 50 KOLs within X period of time and give them this information. So you definitely will see that where we're all out there asking those same questions, because obviously a big part of the MSL field is also taking those insights and then bringing them back to the company. And that does very much help leadership and helps headquarters. Yeah, 100%. And one of the things that I found as well, that when I worked for a big company, it was very easy to reach out to a KOL and say, you know, I work for GSK, for example, Mm -hmm. they all know who GSK um, is. Whereas when I worked for smaller companies, they often, if the smaller company was new to the therapeutic area, they wouldn't have any heritage in the space. They actually wouldn't have a clue uh, who I worked for because maybe they've never heard of the company. Is that something that you've experienced as well? And is, is there any advice you might give to people working for a smaller company to try and overcome that? Yeah, you know, it's a great point. You're right. When I worked for the smaller company, a lot of people would not know what that is. They'd compare it to the bigger ones. They'd be like, you know, I was with a small device company. So the therapeutic area I was in, they'd be like, oh, is that, you know, like a Boston Scientific or a Medtronic? You know, they wouldn't know exactly what that smaller company is. Whereas now again, with big pharma, it's a lot easier, but again, pros and cons to that. You know, you don't know who those KOLs have met from your big pharma company before you. So you don't know how they feel about your company or what their views are of your company. So that's always something when you go into your first visits that you have to overcome. But I think with the smaller company, definitely going in and just showing what your company can do is really important. I mean, I would go in and I'd say, no, you know, no, we're not like a Boston Scientific. It's only X number of people. But that's the great thing is that, you know, we're here to help you with anything. Like we're on the ground. We're here to help you. You're not trying to juggle through a ton of different people to get an answer on something. You'll know exactly who to contact can go through all the product information, tell them things about the company culture. So there's always ways to talk to them and kind of sell that angle. Also, I think with the smaller companies, there's not as many people reaching out to the KOLs, which is an advantage. 
Um, they have you as kind of their main contact, whereas a bigger company, oftentimes you'll have marketing, access and reimbursement, sales, medical, all trying to reach out to the same KOLs. That's such a brilliant point that in the smaller companies, often MSLs really own the relationships. So mm -hmm. there's less of an appearance that people work in silos, which can often happen with the larger companies. I know I've had this experience exactly as you said, where loads mm -hmm. of different people within the company are all reaching out to the same KOL. And it's not a great look for the company because it looks like maybe we don't really talk internally. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a smaller company, you can be the dedicated person who owns the relationship with this particular KOL. And I really liked as well what you said about with the smaller company, they may not have had any previous interaction with the company, which maybe means that you as an MSL, you have the ability to really shape their view and really control the narrative in terms of what they see your company stand for. And also one of the benefits of a smaller company is that there tends to be less processes, decisions can be made a little bit quicker. Um, because I know in larger companies, there can be a lot of red tape, there can be a lot of processes, mm -hmm. a lot of, lot of stakeholders involved. So often decisions are a little bit slower sometimes there. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely the case. And again, like you said, with smaller companies, you know everyone within that company sometimes because it's so small. So if there is a KOL where multiple people are reaching out, you can collaborate a lot more internally because it's like, oh, so-and-so is reaching out too. Whereas again, a bigger company, sometimes I don't even know all the people reaching out to my KOLs. I mean, there's so many different people that sometimes you don't know who's reaching out. Yeah. And you touched on this a little bit earlier that in the larger companies, you might have a team of 50 MSLs and it can be a little bit more difficult to really stand out as there's such a large team of MSLs. Do you have any advice for people who are working for larger companies and they want to network internally and they can't network with everyone because they only have yeah. so much time? Is there anyone in particular that they should be looking to foster a good relationship to try and increase their profile internally? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it really depends on the company. I'll be honest with you. Um, for me, one of the things that I did was I actually utilized my manager and went to her and said, hey, you know, I want to know about other job roles within this company. What would you recommend? Who should I reach out to to learn about this role or the different things that I could do in medical affairs? So that was a great way to start because she was able to point me like in the direction of talk to this person or go to this person. So that's a really good way to go about it. Even asking other MSLs for advice, if you have an area that you're interested in, the ones that have been there a little bit longer may be able to point you in that direction of who you can talk to. Other things I do, you know, I'll set up meetings. If it's somebody that I see on our national calls on a regular basis, throw a meeting in their calendar um, just to introduce yourself and say hello. I like to follow those individuals on LinkedIn, on Twitter to see what they're posting, what they're saying interact with those posts, because that can also allow you to learn about different roles and different people, and then lead you in that direction of, okay, maybe who should I set up a meeting with, or who may I be interested in talking to? Hmm. And it sounds like in the larger companies, there's more of an opportunity for um, mentorship opportunities. So maybe if you're new as an MSL and you join a larger company, yes, you'll have your hiring manager, but you also might have more experienced MSLs who can kind of share some of the best practices that they've learned on the field as well. Definitely. I mean, when I joined the larger company, I actually had a mentor assigned to me, but you know, there's so many people that you can reach out to. And like I said, that's an advantage of a bigger company. I have a list of people who have been MSLs for 15, 20 years where you can reach out and say, Hey, I'm in this situation. What do you think? Or what should I do? Whereas the smaller company, like I said, one of two or three, I started with three and then it became two of us. 
you know, you only get one person's perspective. So that is definitely an advantage. Yeah. And um, can we talk a little bit about the onboarding and in your experience, how the onboarding process differed in a smaller company in comparison to the larger company? Because I know for me, in the smaller company, it was very much, here's a stack of clinical papers, off we go. Um, and in the larger company, there was more processes, there was MSL capabilities in place, there was an MSL excellence department. So it was a lot more structured. Yeah, and that's exactly my experience. The smaller company, and again, this is my perspective, so maybe it's a little different for others. When I joined, we were going through a change and restructure, which that happens in any type of industry. So my hiring manager changed and a lot of things took place at one time. So my training was going to headquarters, learning the product, learning the disease state, those types of things. But there really wasn't structured training in my first MSL role on how to be an MSL. So that was the part that really, you know, was difficult for me to learn was what am I supposed to be doing day to day? In addition, when you're joining a company, you're trying to learn the resources that the company has, your internal colleagues within the company. So a lot of that I had to do on my own. So when I joined this bigger company, it was just the complete opposite. It's so structured. It's so organized. Like, here's your checklist for all of your IT information and websites that you need to know. Here's, you know, how to be an MSL. Here's the disease states. Here's what you have to learn every single week in a website with those resources and the questions you're expected to answer. Completely different experience. I prefer the more organized, of course, but you'll find a little of everything And I always tell aspiring MSLs, you know, if you don't feel like your onboarding is that structured, don't worry. By the time you get on, you know, the field, whether that's week eight, week 12, you're not expected to know everything. I mean, that learning process really is going to continue for that first six months to a year. 100%. And even beyond that as well, I had a conversation last Mm -hmm. week um, with someone and we were talking about emotional intelligence for MSLs and um, Marika provided some great questions that MSLs can utilize at the end of every KOL interaction. And this is something that I used to do because I found some interactions didn't go as well as I had Mm -hmm. hoped. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, what can I learn here? You know, what went well? What type of wording went well? What did I do well here? And what could have gone a little bit better? Um, And I find like that's a very useful practice for new MSLs, but also for more experienced MSLs. I think if we're continuously learning and challenging what we're doing, it can be a really great way to improve and really develop our own set of best practices. Yeah. Absolutely. You you mentioned um, with the bigger company and some of the training that was provided, part of that training, along with disease and therapy area training, they talked about how to be an MSL. It's a big question, um, Mm -hmm. but can you provide a bit of an overview in terms of the different types of things that that training touched on? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the training, you know, there's a few things that you go through. I think one of them is learning the disease state information. And many companies, what they'll do is they'll set you up with somebody every week and you'll kind of role play that KOL MSL role. So you'll have questions you should be able to answer. And that person will ask you certain questions and pretend to be a KOL. And they may be one that's very talkative and nice. They may be one that's coming down hard on you and is like, oh, I don't believe that data. So that role uh, playing and practice is a huge part of learning how to be an MSL. I think also shadowing is such an important part of things too. So jumping in and shadowing other MSLs, seeing what they're doing in person, virtually, that's very important because yes, anyone can learn the data. Many of us come from a background where that's going to be easy for us, but the interactions are completely different when you actually are in front of somebody. 
And then another way too, is having people shadow you. So of course, many people have managers that may come out in the field with them a few times a year and they evaluate them, but use other MSLs too. So maybe there's people with a company that have been there longer than you. And I've had that where I've had really tricky meetings. My manager can't make them. And she's like, well, you know, how about so-and-so comes with you in the field? Not only is it a great opportunity for feedback on your MSL skills, but you also have somebody there, excuse me, that's been with the company longer and can also jump in. So if you ever get yourself backed into a corner, it's great to have that support too. Yeah, amazing. And often it's a nice way to demonstrate to KOLs that they're quite important as well. If you bring someone yeah. from senior leadership or someone who's more experienced than you, it's a nice way to kind of recognize a KOL's expertise and how important that relationship is to the company as well. Yes. And I love that you were talking about role playing. This is something I do a lot with um, my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients who are either new MSLs or looking to upskill a little bit in terms of an MSL role. And it's so important because as you said, there are certain KOLs you will meet, and I'm sure you have this, who are absolutely lovely. They're so friendly. Mm -hmm. They're so open. They're so willing to chat with you. And there are other KOLs who are a lot quieter. It's a lot more difficult to have a conversation. There's other KOLs who maybe don't really believe the data for whatever reason. And it can be a stressful situation if you're not used to dealing um, with KOLs in that particular way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. So the one last question I wanted to touch on was um, exposure to different activities. So if we look at an MSL position description, the same types of activities will come up over and over again. You have to do KOL mapping and identification, mm -hmm. outreach, developer relationships, uh, plan advisory boards, manage investigator initiated studies, maybe some conference proceedings. How has your exposure to different activities differed between big and small pharma and also the role that you've played within those activities differed between big and small pharma? Yeah, for a smaller company, like we were talking about, you have your you know, foot in the door in a lot more roles. So you're doing a lot more things and you also are very autonomous. So if you have an idea, you can run with it. So that's one of the parts that's really nice about smaller pharma. I will also say with smaller pharma, and again, my experience may not be everybody else's, you don't always have those same strict field requirements. So if you're really busy with certain projects or like when I was doing those advanced practice provider conferences, that was my focus. And I was still in the field, but there's only so many hours in a day. When it comes to bigger pharma, a little bit different because those field expectations are always there. So it doesn't matter what you're doing internally, what roles you have going on, you still have to make sure you're keeping up with those KOLs, still being present in the field. And so that can be a lot of work the more that you take on. Another thing with those different activities, whether it's speaker programs or you're helping with conferences or you're presenting, whatever it may be, sometimes in bigger pharma, there's stricter rules too. So like I recently had to develop something, um, you know, presentation to speak on, that has to go through many different channels with big pharma to get that approved. You can't just go out there and start talking. So there are a lot more roles and processes involved with bigger pharma too, in terms of what you can do. You don't always have that autonomy to say, I think this is a great idea and run with it. It has to go through a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was definitely my experience as well, um, 100%. Um, Kirsten, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. As you said, you get asked this question a lot. I get asked this question a lot. I think some people think that um, in order to you know get their first role, they should be focusing on big pharma. That was my experience. And I learned a huge amount in my first big pharma company. But I also learned a huge amount in the smaller companies that I worked for as well. So there's definitely, as you have so clearly articulated today, 
benefits of working for both. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem at all. And honestly, when it comes to aspiring MSL, they'll ask me that question, which one? And, you know, my advice is always, you can't really go after one or another as an aspiring MSL. You know, it's so tough to get into these jobs, go into whatever you can get, see what's a good fit for you. And you can always move on in the future, but I wouldn't try to select one or the other. I would just see where you're able to get into for that first role. So, you know, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Kirsten. Thanks. Bye.